This Sunday before July the 4th, what can you preach on other than freedom? Freedom not only as a nation, but freedom in Christ. Paul teaches that you're going to be a slave to something. You're going to be a slave to sin, or you're going to be a slave to Christ. And if you're a slave to Christ, you are free. That's the only pathway to true freedom. You know I admonish you not to take one verse out of context, but that's what I'm going to do this morning. Because Galatians 5.1 is um, kind of a hinge between two sermons that Paul, that Paul is preaching. The previous nine verses at the end of chapter 4, kind of confusing. And then the following 11 verses at the beginning of chapter 5 are kind of confusing. But Paul preaches, he uses sermons that rabbis would use to preach to other Jewish people. And he is so... He hides it well, but Paul is angry when he writes this letter because he has been to Galatia and he has preached a sermon on freedom, freedom that you have in Christ, freedom that you have by following Jesus and trusting in him to forgive you of your sins. And yet some folks have come along behind Paul and tried to undo everything he accomplished. He called them Judaizers because they tried to return the Galatian Christians back to the Jewish law. And they said, it's okay to be a Christian, it's okay to be a follower of Christ as long as you still do these Jewish laws. And Paul realizes the harm, the damage that that could cause because he argues if you add anything to the cross of Christ in order for salvation to occur, then what you're doing is diminishing the power of the cross. Amen? And so Paul says, it's the cross, it is Jesus that saves you, and adding the, these legalistic elements of Judaism back into Christianity will destroy Christianity forever. So you can see what is at stake here and how upset and angry Paul is. And so he's preached a sermon at the end of chapter 4. Remember when Paul wrote this letter, there were no chapter or verse divisions. It was just a long, um, a long scroll. And chapter and verse divisions were added centuries later to help us find uh, certain pieces of, of Scripture. So at the end of chapter 4, beginning of chapter 5, Paul writes this. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand fast therefore and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. And then he gives another brief sermon. In verse 13 he says, For you are called to freedom, brethren, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love be servants of one another. Be a servant to each other. Be a servant of Christ. And when you do that, you'll be the freest person you could ever be. Verse 1 of chapter 5 has three distinct points to it, which will provide the outline for my message this morning. Bow with me. Father, we have freedom in America today such as the world has never known and, and for most, much of our lives, we have taken it for granted. We have just gone through life doing as we please, sometimes to our own ruin and occasionally servants of Christ. Help us submit to Jesus and find the freedom that only he affords. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. 
1833, the British Parliament voted to abolish slavery on the Crown Colony of Jamaica. The Jamaicans got word of it and they were so excited that the night before their emancipation, they could not sleep, as you, as you can imagine, having been a slave all your life and then finding out that the next day you're going to be set free. And so they stayed up all night and they put on their finest clothes and they went up onto a mountain and, and to await the, the arrival of dawn and the signal of a new day. And when they saw that sun break forth, they wrote a song. And it was free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. Martin Luther King picked up that phrase and it became the song of the civil rights movements in the 60s. But freedom has always been at the heart of, of every person who's ever lived. Fortunately, we in America have enjoyed freedom throughout our lives. And even though we are a relatively young country, in 1776 we found freedom. It was a desire for freedom that brought the first colonists to our shores. Even the pilgrims came to have freedom of religion because uh, the English religion had become oppressive. And you had to be a member of the Church of England and, and Baptist and, and other religions said, no, we're going to follow God the way we believe Scripture is teaching us. And so they came to America and settled here to establish freedom for religion. Now let me just give an aside here, and this is not in my notes, so I'm not sure where I'll go. But uh, because we have freedom of religion and separation of church and state, you are free to come and worship any way you choose or not worship any way you choose. You have freedom of religion or freedom from religion if you so desire. Now, I believe you have the right to be wrong if that is your choosing. But we as Christians also have the right to worship God the way we see fit, so don't let your freedom not to worship infringe upon our freedom to worship. Amen? And we're hearing that so often now with with civil rights and with the tail wagging the dog in America so often, we're afraid that one person who objects to the way we choose to worship God dictate everything we do as a nation. That's not what our nation was founded upon. We were founded upon the freedom to worship God the way we see fit, the way we desire, and we're going to do it whether anyone likes it or not. So freedom brought the first colonists to our shore and you see throughout our founding fathers the words of freedom and liberty. The U.S. Constitution has, this nation is established to the secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. Lincoln's famous Gettysburg Address includes the words, this nation was conceived in liberty. Freedom and liberty reverberate throughout the documents of our founding fathers. Freedom, America, both have seven letters. Incidentally, so does Baptist. And we're all, they're all synonymous. We're all in there together because we Baptists are free and faithful people as well. Freedom was the watchword of Paul's letter to the Galatians because they were submitting again to the slavery of Jewish legalism. We actually read a book in seminary. It was a commentary on Galatians entitled, Jesus Means Freedom. If Jesus means anything else, he gives you freedom in Christ, freedom to be a slave of Christ, to, to obey him, to serve him, and to follow him because you're going to be a slave to something. 
You're going to be a slave to sin, Paul says, or you're going to be a slave of Christ. And when you're a slave of Christ, you are the freest person that you could possibly be. In this one verse, Galatians 5.1, Paul gives us instructions for the price tag of freedom. What does freedom cost? Three things. Because freedom, as you know, is never free. First of all, it costs us commitment. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Why did Christ set us free? So we could experience freedom, true freedom in him. It is Christ who sets us free. There is no freedom apart from a commitment to Jesus Christ because Jesus came to put us in a right relationship with God, God the Father. And when you are his child, you are fulfilling the purpose for which you were created. When you refuse to be a child of God, when you choose to go it your own way, you're going to be a slave to something else. A commitment to Christ helps you fulfill the reason for your being here, for your purpose, your creation. And that relationship that was damaged by sin has been restored by Jesus so you can be in full and complete relationship with God and have abundant life here on earth and eternal life when we reach heaven's gates. What was true of an individual is also true as a nation. I believe America is a great nation because of our commitment to God. And I was thinking about that this week. Even if you choose not to be a Christian, and there may be some watching by television this morning, even if you choose not to be a Christian, then the, the elements of Christianity provide the foundation for America's greatness. Amen? Even if you choose not to follow Jesus, the morals, the family values, the truth, all those, those parts of Christianity are the building blocks that make America great. Look at Islam, the other religions of the world. Islam is, is a religion that destroys and it teaches violence. Hinduism and Buddhism teach apathy and indifference. But Christianity provides a model for a nation with values and a moral absolute to follow. And when a nation does that, it will be strong. But when we get away from our underpinnings of Christianity and the values and morals that it teaches, that foundation of America begins to shake. And we're seeing that happen now in our country. Our founding fathers had the wisdom to build this nation on faith in God through Jesus Christ. And you're free not to worship that if you choose. But don't take our freedom away to worship the way we want to, the way our founding fathers came here to establish. Following the Civil War, Salmon Chase was Secretary of the Treasury, and he re received an appeal from Congress to honor God in some way on our coinage. And so I was, I was just talking to John. I didn't realize this, I didn't realize the Star Spangled Banner had a second verse <laughs> to start with. And then in that, did y'all know that? And then in the second verse, it says, this is what Francis Scott Key wrote in the early 1800s, and this be our motto, in God is our trust. Did you realize that? I think that's where Solomon Chase got the motto that he put on our coins, in God we trust. In 1907, the Mint put out some eagle and double eagle coins that didn't have room for the motto, in God we trust on it. And there was an outcry 
from the American people. And so Congress passed an act in 1908 requiring that motto, In God We Trust, to be on all of our coinage from that day forward. So when you see a coin on the ground, I know people accuse me of being frugal, but if I see a penny on the ground, I'm going to pick it up. And if it, says, if, I, if it has a side that says, In God We Trust, stop for a minute and think about what that means. Turn it over. See if you can find the motto on the other side. Every coinage has that motto, In God We Trust. If culture had provided a nation's safeguard, Greece would not have fallen because Greece had the highest culture in its day. If political power provided a safeguard, Rome would have never fallen because Rome was a political powerhouse in its day. So if it's not culture and it's not political power, a nation's safeguard, what is it? The Bible teaches it's our righteousness that grows out of our relationship to and our commitment with God. Righteousness exalts a nation. And God is our Father. And to the end that we exalt Him and worship Him, He will bless us as He has over the past two centuries. So there's a commitment to Christ that is a necessary price for freedom. Secondly, there is a consistency required. Look at the second part of verse 1. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand fast, therefore. Some translations say keep standing firm. And the Greek word for standing is the image of a soldier that has cleats in his boots. And he is standing his ground against the onslaught of the enemy. And to the, and to the end that his line holds fast and the enemy cannot make a way through and attack. And so Paul's saying, you stand fast like a soldier. Stand your ground. Hold on to the freedom Christ has given you because freedom, once it is attained, will not automatically be ours forever. It has to be, we have to be vigilant to protect it. And that's what our soldiers are doing, our military. That's what our first responders are doing here locally. They are protecting the freedom that we enjoy 24 hours a day, seven days a week, but seldom give thanks for it. I was thinking just before the early service, it's like, would you build an expensive house and then not maintain it? Would you build an expensive house and then not paint it or, or fix the roof or mow the lawn or repair a broken window? No. What happens if you don't? Then eventually uh, disrepair to that house is going to attack it and it will fall down. And God has given us not only a house here in America, he's given us a mansion. And because of that, the nicer the house, the greater the expense to maintain it, right? And because of that, we've got this house that God's given us that we have to be vigilant and maintain. During the dark days of World War II, Winston Churchill was invited back to the prep school where he attended as a boy to give a speech. And the headmaster prepared the boys there in that prep school. They said, now, Prime Minister Churchill is coming. It's, it's World War II. You know, he's facing difficult days. So y'all listen to him because what he has to say is going to be very important for our nation and for your future. So Churchill got up. His speech was short. 
He said, never give in. Never give in. Never, never, never. And he sat down. That was his whole speech. And what he was telling England, if they held their ground against Nazi Nazi Germany, and and there were those in England who probably thought they should surrender, they should um, capitulate. But Churchill was such a bulldog. He was the right man in the right position at the right time. And they held their ground. And England withstood Nazi Germany. And America joined in and defeated that cancer that was spreading across Europe. We have to work to maintain our freedom or we will surely lose it. So you've got to stand fast, therefore. Freedom in Christ, freedom as a nation, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. What is that? Caution. We have commitment, consistency, and now caution not to slide back into the slavery that that once beset us. That's what Galatians were doing, and that's what Paul doesn't want us to do either. We have freedom. The subject means to ensnare or to entrap, and don't you think Satan is trying to do that to you as an individual, to us as a nation? As individuals, once we are free in Christ, that's when Satan's attacks begin. Isn't that true? If he already has you in his pocket, he doesn't have to pay a lot of attention, invest a lot of effort in you. But when you take a stand for Jesus, that's when the attacks begin in earnest. And Paul is saying, do not submit again. Don't fall back into that slavery. Tyranny will always be knocking at the door, trying to take your freedom away. So do not give up your freedom in Christ. Don't fall into snares and traps that would take our freedom away. Don't do it. What are some of those traps? One of them is rights without responsibilities. I was reading a story about a fifth grade math teacher in Vermont who was losing her job because she spanked a student. How many of you got spankings in elementary school? And that's why we're not in jail today. You can't do that today, but this Vermont teacher had a, a fifth grade student who was cursing and using abusive gestures and language, and she dared to discipline him. So she was called before the school board, and the school board said, do you think these students, don't you think these students have rights? And she said, yes, sir, but it seems like they have more rights than responsibilities. And we hear so much about our rights today, and nobody talks about Responsibility. I got an email, I get emails pretty frequently from Ashley Kelly Taba, Lynn and Margaret's daughter who's in Botswana. Ashley writes often, and she writes a lot. She also wrote an article about parenting children. And it was just something off the top of her head. It was about two pages long. And uh, basically it said our children, because we have declined to discipline our children, they have taken over the family. They've taken over society. And now children are running our homes and they're running our family. And um, she said, it's, it's turning our culture upside down. Well, she wrote, she sent that letter to the newspaper and the newspaper published it the next day. 
And Ashley began getting emails and phone calls from parents uh, who, who needed advice on parenting undisciplined children. So Ashley there in Botswana continues to, to have a ministry and a mission, not only to, to, to families, to husbands and wives, to, uh, she and Percy teaching about marriage and Christian marriage, but now she's having a ministry to, to raising Christian children and how you go about doing that because children are running our families because of rights without responsibilities. The more rights you have, guess what? The greater the responsibility to protect those rights. Secondly, indifference over involvement. So many people are just apathetic anymore. Uh, I read somewhere that 13 of the last 15 presidents were elected by narrower margins than the number of voters who did not vote. 13 out of the last 15 presidents elected by narrower margins than the registered voters who did not vote. I, I read in the last election that of registered, that evangelical Christians, only 50% of evangelical Christians are registered to vote. And of those 50% that are registered to vote, only half of them bothered to do so. So that's 25% of evangelical Christians who voted in the presidential election. That's a commentary on apathy and indifference. When we don't care enough to get involved, when we sit on the sidelines and complain, then the freedom that we have can be taken away. We have to exercise our freedom to be involved in the process, in the political process. Yes, we have freedom of religion. But as Christians, we can be involved in the political process and, and make sure that our rights and responsibilities, that our desires and what we understand the Bible to be teaching, to be enforced, to be taught, to be shared. And doing so is not imposing our will on others. It's just, it's just the moral majority waking up and being involved once again. A third thing that, that can, we need to caution against is security. People have gotten comfortable without risk. History is marked by people who've given away their freedom in return for comfort and security. You remember the children of Israel when they left slavery in Egypt? They were going through the wilderness and that freedom was overwhelming. And after a few days in the wilderness, they were ready to go back to slavery in Egypt because the comfort and security they had there, as awful as it was, was to be preferred over the unknown freedom that God promised them in that promised land. I found this article this week about a man who broke into jail. He broke into jail. Spend, time and spend enough time behind bars and you're likely to become what some refer to as institutionalized, unable to cope with freedom. A Florida inmate named Sylvester Giles was sentenced on manslaughter and released in late 2009. He spent three days of freedom before he was begging the guards to let him back in, according to Miami NBC. When the correctional officers sent him away, he tried scaling the wall and got caught in the barbed wire, which of course is the purpose of barbed wire. Fortunately for Giles, breaking into, free, breaking into jail was considered a violation of his probation, so he was sentenced another 15 years. People who've never had freedom 
are frightened of it. At the close of the Constitutional Convention in 1787, Benjamin Franklin said, we have given you a republic if you can keep it. An Arab chief tells a story about a spy who was captured and sentenced to death by a general in the Persian army. The general had a custom of allowing the condemned man a choice between the firing squad or a big black door. The condemned had a choice between a firing squad and a big black door. And so the Persian general gave this condemned man his choice, and a few moments later they heard the shots of the firing squad. And so someone asked the, the Persian general, what's behind the big black door? And the general said, freedom. It's a shame that few people have the courage to try it. That's what's happening around the world today. People are afraid of freedom. America is the envy of the world because of the freedoms that we have here. And those that don't want their people to experience that kind of freedom are, are clamping down even more tightly and taking away individual freedoms and violating um, personhood because of that. Because they don't want people to find out how wonderful the freedom, the democracy we have here in America really is. Social media is changing a lot of that. And so people in other places are, are discovering what we have. And that's why you see so much unrest in those, in those countries that limit personal freedom. We who enjoy it have a responsibility, commitment to it, be consistent in it, and a caution to stand fast with it. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand fast, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. It's true for us as individuals belonging to Christ. It's true for us as a nation of America. What a great freedom we have. Let's bow together. Father, as we, as we gather here two days before our Independence Day, what courage must have rested in the souls of those men who took pen in hand and signed the Declaration of Independence knowing that war would follow, not knowing how a ragtag nation of militia and Minutemen could wage war against the established armies and navy of, of Britain and yet believe so strongly in freedom. Freedom to worship you primarily that led them here. That they were willing to lay down their lives and their possessions to establish it. Freedom that was bought with such a price is so valuable. So Lord, help us as a nation protect it Help us as individuals be thankful for it. And most of all, to be thankful for the freedom we have in Christ who came to set us free so we could follow you now and always. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.